0: Keep your Bibles open, please, as uh, we study this passage together. Choosing deacons, choosing servants. So, in just light of our deacon ordination this morning, uh, I thought it would be, we would do well to circle back uh, once again and look at the calling and the service of deacons in the local church So, we're going to utilize this passage to do so. Let's pray. Pause for a moment. Ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we do love you and praise you. You are so good and so faithful, so merciful and gracious that we are able to be here. We have the life and the health and the freedom and the opportunity and the facility the means to be able to gather in this place, we have as as many copies of your word as, as we could ever ask for. We, we have the opportunity to, to lift our voices and to lift our prayers and our burdens. The opportunity as followers of Christ, brothers and sisters of God, to uh, come around the word and submit ourselves to you and trust in you to do your work and accomplish your will in our lives. It is a great and wonderful and it's an awesome privilege. So we we love you and praise you for this and and we ask God that when we come to a service like this and we are focusing on the deacon ministry of the church, there may be many of us sitting here that say, well, this, this message isn't for me, but Lord, we know that you have something for all of us who are gathered. There's instruction for us. There's encouragement for us. There may be correction for us, conviction for us, growth for us joy, faith, even salvation. And so, Father, we just ask, God, as, we, as we're all gathered here and your word is open before us, we submit ourselves to your spirit and to your will, that you would accomplish your great purposes in our lives. You would draw each of us to you. May we as individuals and families be better equipped and encouraged as followers of Christ. May we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that happens to meet here at Grassy Pond, may may you ground us in the faith and deepen our affections for Christ and increase our unity for the sake of the gospel. We pray that in our day and in the... In the time and in the place in which by your sovereign plan you have us living, that we would live to our potential to the glory of God. So fill us, Lord, speak to us, change us, grow us in the likeness of Christ, and we give you all the praise and the glory for it in his name, amen. So when we conclude our service today we will we will ordain Preston to serve as deacon. Now what's taking place here today may seem really odd to you if you are unfamiliar with deacon ordination or if you are familiar with the process and not really sure of the biblical basis behind it it still may seem a little odd what what you observe today so that's why we're looking at uh, this text and spending some time together with this message now even though the the text today doesn't really have the word deacon in it there's widespread agreement that what we find in acts chapter 6 is the beginning stages of what would later become as the local church becomes established would later become the Service or the Office of Deacon, so the Book of Acts is really a transition book It, it, it accounts the the events that transpire between the resurrection and, of the Lord Jesus and his Ascension back into heaven, and then the formation, the establishment of the local church, and so you see these uh, this this narrative in Acts. The apostles begin to proclaim the gospel in Jerusalem. Many people come to know the Lord and are saved and, and they begin to assemble together on, on their own day and, and in, their, in their own homes and, and the formation of the local church begins to appear and then the gospel begins uh, to be sent out throughout the region and as the gospel goes out, people are saved, they begin to assemble on their day, the Lord's day, to, to worship and encourage one another and local churches begin to form throughout the entire region, everywhere the gospel goes. And so when we get to the epistles of the New Testament, those are letters that are written to local churches that have been established. So you see that then Acts is this period of transition. And part of that transition was then establishing, figuring out the leadership of these local churches. How would they be led These local churches, as they began to to spring up, who would lead lead these churches once the apostles pass away? And we learn from the epistles that God's plan was for pastors to receive the role of the apostles' leadership and then for deacons to receive a role and responsibility in the local congregation. So there was a mantle of spiritual leadership that needed to be passed down from apostles to then pastors. We see in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul says the church of God is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So the prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament are the foundation of the local church. Uh, the foundation's been laid. They're, they're no longer prophets and they're no longer apostles. We find over in Ephesians 4.11, what you now have are, is called evangelists and pastors who teach. Pastors. So that transition is made. Then we come to, right after Ephesians, we the, the next epistle we read is Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1... Paul says, now I'm writing this to the church in Philippi, and it's to all of the overseers and deacons. So there's a group of men who serve as pastors of the church at Philippi, and there's a group of men who serve as deacons for the church at Philippi. And there's the leadership of the local church according to the New Testament." Pastors overseeing the spiritual care of the church. So what about the deacons? Who are they and what is their role? What is their assignment in local church ministry? Well, let's see the developments of uh, the text before us and it will kind of teach us the answer to these questions. The first thing that we see is a problem arose... A problem arose as the church really begins to just, uh, as it's forming, it is exploding. The gospel is being proclaimed and literally thousands of people are coming to faith in Christ. Remember, this is right after the resurrection. We spoke, uh, remember, we looked at the text of the the death and the resurrection of Christ. And and when Christ rose, even some of the saints rose and walked around Jerusalem. So there's some phenomenal things going on. And as the apostles begin to share the gospel, people begin to respond. There are thousands of people. Literally, 5,000 plus people that that come to the same conclusion that the centurion came to when he saw all that happened after the resurrection. Remember, truly, this must be the Son of God. And so the church, as that new Jerusalem church, it just begins to explode. And one of the responsibilities of this new church was to care for the widows. In 1 Timothy 5, Paul tells Uh, Timothy, as he's pastoring a congregation, to care for the widows. Who are widows indeed, he says. In other words, those who truly have no family, no support system, that they are as believing widows to be able to depend upon the church for their care. The church was to care for them. You remember, even over in James says, This is true religion that you care for the orphans and you care for the widows. In other words, those who truly cannot care for themselves. Then the church, displaying the gospel of Christ, cares for them. Well, we find out here in verse 1 that there's an issue with what's called the, the Hellenists. Who are the Hellenists? Well, they are, they are Greek Speaking Jews, they are they are Jews who lived out in the uh, in, in the Greek world, and for some reason have ha, had moved back to Jerusalem. Maybe because their husbands passed away and they had no support system. But but being in the Greek-speaking world, they had adopted the language and the culture of the Greeks, and they had moved back to Jerusalem. And before salvation would have been taken care of. Through the synagogue. But as soon as they start proclaiming Jesus Christ as their Messiah, they no longer receive help from the synagogue. And many of them then had become disciples and the church cared for them. But these Hellenists would have been a minority group here in Jerusalem. Their language was different, their culture was different from the Hebrew widows, which would have been a very a a, a significant larger group, Hebrews to begin with and Hellenists. Now you can see how this issue, this has the potential of creating a tremendous problem and division in the early formation of the church. This has the potential to stop the church before it ever gets started. Because the gospel itself is a uniting message. The gospel itself is meant for everyone, everywhere, at all times. It is meant to unite people across lines of division. Cultural lines, ethnic lines, society lines, whatever they may be, ethnic lines. The gospel is meant to unite and so if you have division begin if you have disunity to begin then there's a hindrance to the very message of the gospel and the church so great care must be utilized to in the church to guard against any type of potential for disunity and division now the hellenists they have a legitimate complaint it's not like they're It's not like they are uh, just bringing up an issue that's not legitimate. There's something happening. They, They are being, they are truly being neglected. And if it's not addressed, if this issue is not addressed, it could endanger the revival that's taking place in Jerusalem. So guarding against disunity has always been a challenge for the local church. It will always be a challenge for the local church. The enemy loves nothing more than to get in and divide and cause division and tear down and discredit the work of the gospel. And so there's there's a significant problem in this neglecting of the the Hellenist widows. And so we see a solution is given. A solution was given in verses 2 through 4. Note that the 12 apostles, they, they did not take on this task themselves. We need to note this. Now, there were 12 of them. And they could have said, okay, there's 12 of us, so there's no, there's no reason why we can't handle this. Right? That's what we always want to do. We, we always want to try to fix it or, or, or come up with, with a, a quick solution. So they could have said, okay, wh- how about this? Let's set up a rotation schedule. Let, let, let's set up a... a uh, let, let's get everybody on the list, and we'll take turns. We'll, we'll take turns so uh, we can kind of spread this responsibility out and distributing, making sure these provisions are distributed to all the widows. That, that's not what they did. That's, that's something like we would come up with. They knew that if they began to take on additional tasks here and, and additional task there, that pretty soon all the additional tasks would crowd out their time and focus and energy and attention on their primary task, on their true task, on what God had called them to do, on what would be the greatest need actually of the local church gathering, the spiritual care of God's people. And so what did they say? They said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. It's not that tables are not important. It's not that this issue is not important. We're going to address this issue. It's that we should not be the ones addressing the issue because God has set us aside For something that we cannot take our eyes and focus and attention and energy away from. Because it's the preaching of the word of God, the ministry of the word of God that builds the church. That establishes, that strengthens, that protects, that guards. Verse 4 they said, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they... They were wise enough, led by the Spirit, not to lose their focus, not to lose their attention, just because there was, some, there was a crisis arising in the church. And those two verses then lay out for us really the job description of pastors in three points. Pastors are called by God to spiritually care for the local church by prayer, preaching the Word, and ministry of the Word. What would be ministry of the word? Well, that would in the ministry of the word means taking the word of God and applying it to situations within the church. So that would be things like counseling. That would be things like discipling. That would be things like witnessing. That would be things like training. That would be things like directing, focusing, planning for the ministry of the church In fact, devising this very plan for how we're going to take care of this issue that has arisen without taking us from the focus on the Word is a ministry of the Word. It's protecting the ministry of the Word. And so they have a solution. In verse 3, we see the plan. Here's the solution. In verse 3, they say, pick out from among you. So they're talking to the congregation, the assembly of believers. So the church was to select men from within the church. The congregation was to look within itself. And the, the congregation was to take charge of this matter. Congregationalism is what we call this. Now, in that way, when when the men were selected from within the congregation to take charge of this matter and to make sure it was handled well and rightly, then that means the issue can be resolved and the apostles would not be deterred from their calling and their task. And so, what do they say? Pick out from among you seven men. Now, I don't know, you know, how, how they came up with the number seven, but you look at that and you say... What, what, uh, one of the things they were maybe looking at is a, a sufficient number. A sufficient number to take care of this task so the widows would not be neglected and the men who were chosen would not be overwhelmed. And they would be able to pursue and, and perform this task and this ministry and, and be adequate and excellent in it. But it's not just, the apostles didn't say, now just kind of, you know, any, many, many, mo. I mean, just the first seven you come to, just get somebody. We got to get back to preaching the word. We can't put up with this anymore. No, they said, you have to really do some searching and, and praying because there needs to be a type of servant here, a type of believer from the congregation, men of good repute reputation standing full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom in other words outstanding believers believers who stand out believers who you you look across the congregation and these men just kind of pop up you say oh yeah he's a servant oh yeah he's he's full of the Holy Spirit we can tell he's led by godly wisdom These are the ones who stand up and and, and stand out. Men of integrity who clearly demonstrate in the living out of their lives that they are are living their lives led by the Spirit. They're not led by the the world. They're not led by the flesh. They're not led by the pocketbook. They're they're, they're led by the Spirit of God. And you can tell that in in their attitude and their disposition and their decisions and the way they relate to people. You just see it. Led by the Spirit. And men that you know are trusting in, relying in, being led by the Spirit, are making godly, wise decisions in their lives. They don't have the same set of standards and decision-making. There's a wisdom about them. Notice with me, This is a very important issue because if it wasn't so important, the apostles would not have said, Make sure these are men full of the Spirit and of wisdom. Notice with me, the church was not instructed to choose men they were related to, they were not to choose men who were popular or influential in the community or in the church. They were not to choose men who were extraordinary and successful. Those were not the qualities or the qualifications. They they were not to choose the ones who they thought held the same opinions on the upcoming church matters that they held. And I've heard all of these reasons given for choosing deacons. Oh, I know this person. Not one of these can be found in the Bible. We really need to stop and pause when we go through the process of deacon nomination. Because remember, this is, this is God's church. It's not our church. It's not my church. And this is God's process of the church itself looking within itself for these types of men to serve the church. It is, it's a very sobering process. So here's how we should, as members of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, here's how we should proceed in in the following years as we choose men as deacons. Number one, pray. Ask God who he's been preparing to serve us. Take it to God in prayer. The first thing we should be doing is praying. Who are these men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom god's been preparing somebody to serve who is it how do you know who stands out who stands out as having a a spiritual reputation of integrity a, a, a man of his word a, a man of faith a man that spirit led a man that has a, a godliness and a wisdom about him And the third thing is, look for the men who are already serving. Look for the men that are not looking for the title of deacon. They're just looking for an opportunity to serve. So they already have a serving heart. They already have a servant disposition. They're already serving. And those are the men that God will lead us to. And once the church has made this their their selection, then the scripture says uh, uh, you know to pick you out from among you these these uh, seven men and when 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 this has happened they are then appointed by the apostles he says when when this when this process has happened Then the apostles, they will be appointed by the apostles. He says in verse, uh, verse three, whom we will appoint to this duty. So there's some kind of approval. the The apostles, the church brings forth these men, and there's some kind of approval by the apostles. There, and then they are assigned. These men are assigned their duties by the apostles to serve. So what are the duties of the deacon? This is the process of seeing how they come about in the local church. But what are they to do? Well, verse 2 tells us exactly, doesn't it? It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve. Now, tables is the specific incident and issue that it's referring to. But the task of the deacon, whatever the different specific issues are is to serve the word deacon means servant is literally servant that's the calling of the deacon so what's he he's he, he serving tables what does that mean he's 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 overseeing this distribution of these provisions for the widows to make sure that no one is neglected no one under the care of the church is being overseen or neglected overlooked or neglected so the deacons then are to make sure the physical and the material needs are being addressed and that no member of the church is being neglected no one is we we would say it this way no one's falling through the cracks and 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 we're losing touch with them and we're losing ministry and contact with them the deacons are serving to make sure that doesn't happen and that if there are specific needs that arise in the, in the issues of, of believers and families and members who are part of the congregation, that the church, as best as it can, is meeting and touching and helping alleviate or resolve those issues or needs. That's why we have the deacon family ministry. It, it really is the primary ministry of our deacons. So that each member, each family of our church is appointed, is given under the care of one of our 12 deacons. And those deacons are checking in on a regular basis. Checking in, touching base. If they're not checking in and touching base, if you haven't heard from your deacon in a couple of months, let them hear from you. And say, hey, I thought you were going to be checking in. Checking in, touching base, praying for Members making sure no one is neglected, making sure that months don't go by and all of a sudden somebody says, where's so-and-so? I hadn't seen him in six months. Or, some, or, or, or an issue comes up and we say, who, who is that? I, I don't know who you're referring to. So we have to, uh, the deacons are there to serve and to make sure that, that members are being cared for and contacted. That's why we have deacons. And I'll say this. And uh, the deacons usually, we like, uh, okay, tomorrow night we have the first meeting with our new deacons. And all the deacons come together uh, and, and their wives. And we'll eat at a restaurant somewhere. And then we'll come back to the church and have our deacons meeting. And the deacons usually, I say usually, usually pick up the tab for me. So I'm going to earn it, deacons. I'm going to earn my meal right here, I think. Let me just say, the deacon body and the deacon family ministry is not the complaint department for Grassy Pond Baptist Church. In, In fact, we don't have one. We don't have a complaint department. Now, verse 1 uses the word complaint, doesn't it? It says, Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose. Now, for our purposes, we can use the, the uh, phrase legitimate concern there. It was a legitimate concern because it had the potential. People were actually being neglected And it had the potential because this was a different group, different language, different culture, minority group in the church to cause great division. So it was legitimate. So deacons are available to hear legitimate concerns. Well, what's the difference? Well, a concern is something that you are aware of that's happening within the church that is unbiblical, unethical, immoral... Or has the potential of neglect of members or malicious division, disunity that's spreading. That's a legitimate concern. Well, what's a complaint? Well, complaints when I just don't like it. I just don't like it. So I'm going to get on the phone and I'm going to call somebody and talk about it or I'm going to meet somebody after church, and I'm going to talk about it. Grumbling and complaining are sins, and they shouldn't be happening within the church. So if, if there's something that just gets under your skin, but it's not immoral, it's not unbi- unbiblical, it's not unethical, it's not divisive, intentionally divisive, no one's being neglected, then what do I do with that, pastor? Pastor. Take it to the Lord. Take it to God. Don't go to the phone. Go to the prayer closet. Don't create division. Resolve it. Go to the word and, and, and do what we need to do. To preserve unity. That's what's happening in our text before us. Doing what needs to be done to preserve unity. And so a problem arose. A solution was given. And then seven deacons were chosen. In verses 5 through 7, the church chose seven men who were spiritually suitable And I think Turner did a great job pronouncing those names, don't you? I'm going to go with what he said. And I'm not going to say them. Just remember what he said. That's why I get people to read the scripture now, see? I don't have to pronounce those words. All seven of these men were, guess what? Hellenists. So that ensured this won't be an issue again. These are men, now they, they they were not Hellenist, they didn't choose them just because they were Hellenist. They chose them because they were men of good repute, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, who also happened to be Hellenist. So this is great. So the apostles prayed over them, laid hands on them, and the apostles set them apart for this service. That means they were ordained. So when you see there in verse 6, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. That means they are setting them apart. They are recognizing them as being set aside, set apart by the congregation, appointed by the apostles to this service for the church, ordaining. So that's what you're getting ready to observe. But look at verse 7 because this is the culmination of all of it. And the word of God continued to increase. Now, what would have happened if the issue had not been resolved and just kept getting bigger and more complaints and more division and more separation between these two groups of people in the church? But because this was handled through the leadership of the Spirit, the Word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the... This is shocking. A great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Powerful revival. So... The point of it all, the point of everything that we've read in this chapter 6 of all of this process and all of this solution and, and selecting these men and setting them aside and ordaining them and, and them serving and the apostles remaining focused on the ministry of the word. All of that that's taking place is taking place to serve the gospel. Pastors focused on prayer and the word, deacons serving the needs of the church, unity maintained at all costs, and it's all so that the gospel would flourish. Unhindered. The church would maintain its focus, undivided. And people were pouring in. Pouring in. The Lord was doing a great work. That's our desire here, isn't it? To see the Lord do a great work in our lives, in our community, in our county. That's why we have deacons. That the pastors may stay focused. That the deacons may stay serving. That the church may stay united. All for the sake that the gospel may continue to advance. Let's pray. Father in heaven, would you continue that great work that you've already began in this, your church? As we move forward in days ahead, Father, help us as as members, as pastors, as deacons, all of us working together for the sake of the gospel coming together under the banner of the gospel in the, with the Word of God led by the Spirit of God, united in purpose and focus, that we might be disciple-makers, that we might see others discipled, that we might see the unchurched in the church, that we might see the lost saved and born again and in the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord, to always keep that at the front, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, until the day that we stand before you. So move and so speak in these next few moments, Father, that your perfect will is accomplished in each of us. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons, read blogs, and learn more about the Missions Branch P-67 missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.